This is Big Sean. Where's Fifth Harmony? What's happening? This is Adam Levine from Maroon 5. I'm Calvin Harris. Yours truly, Jason Derulo. Hi, we're One Direction, and this is Gary Hoffman. This is Selena Gomez. This is Shannon Farron. This is Rihanna. Gary. What's up, guys? This is Justin Bieber. Shannon. And you are behind the scenes. Gary and Shannon. We got a guy in the river. That's good. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it rains in L.A. There's a guy in the river. I think there may have been two people. Are they safe? Who knows? They're gonna, they'll be fine. I mean, the the best river rescuers belong to the L.A. City Fire Department, so they'll be okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm uh, in good hands, I'm told. <laughs> we shall see about that. Uh, Shannon's out today, so Layla Muhammad is joining us. And good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Yes, Shannon is awesome, so I'm honored to uh, be here with you, Gary, and filling in for Miss Shannon today. Um, so explain who you are. Let's talk about you and why people would uh, would recognize your face and your voice, etc. Well, honestly, I just wandered in from off the streets. <laughs> they saw me standing on the corner. No, seriously, I'm, I'm a journalist. <laughs> you came in to get out of the rain. <laughs> it was raining. I've been doing TV news for about 15 years. And um, some people have seen my face around the country. I did a morning syndicated show out of Dallas. That aired in many cities, Houston, right. D.C., Philly, Portland, Miami. And then I just showed up in L.A. Just came just out of nowhere? I just... got lost. I was I was driving and I <laughs> and ended up here. So a great place to end up. Well, we're glad to have you. We'll see how this goes, right? Yes. I, mean, I told you not to worry. We're just going to have fun for four hours. I like and then And then we said, oh, we should talk about abortion, too. <sighs> so that won't be the fun part of it. But uh, trust me, we'll, after four hours, we'll have... Uh, we will say that we had a good time together. Right? I think we will. You guys are a lot of fun to listen to, so I'm happy to be here. Uh, okay, so later on, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. Guess what? We have yet another person who says they're going to run for the Democratic nomination for president. Bringing us now to what, 23? 20, 23 or 24, depending yeah. on whether or not you believe Marianne Williamson is a, is a candidate, I guess, because that's the only one I can determine that is the sort of uh, flip-flop, depending on which which list you look at. So mm. Bill de Blasio, the New York City mayor, is in. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what the president has already said about it. He was quick to respond to the announcement today, mm-hmm. called Bill de Blasio a joke. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit later about Chris Rock trying to reboot the Saw franchise. First of <laughs> all, I, I didn't think that it needed to be rebooted. Because I feel like we've had so many of them. If you if you felt like you you there was a little hole in your heart where the saw pictures were supposed to go, you just watch a different version of. It. I don't know. Anyway, Chris yeah. Rock is going to get back into that. We'll talk about that in the one o'clock hour. Tech Talk. Mark Saltzman's going to join us. And we have some great uh, weird science stories, including one study on how much alcohol can you drink safely. We know that two. You know, we know a whole lot is bad for you, but is a little bit okay. We'll talk about that coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. But it was a ridiculous, ridiculous commute this morning. I've learned a thing or two being in L.A. You have to allow yourself an extra 45 minutes to an hour when it's raining. Mm-hmm. I followed that rule this morning, and it worked out in my favor. Uh, you got it. I mean, you you get it. But, you, I mean, if you lived in Dallas, weather is a... This is, this is as extreme as our weather gets mm-hmm. here. I mean, it, it rains... And that's it. We don't even have strong windstorms for the most part, at least not in most of Southern California. Right. Like in Dallas, you'll get the the storms, you'll get, you know, tornadoes, hailstorms, all the other stuff. And below freezing one day and above 80 the next. Mm -hmm. 
But you guys can't drive if it's drizzling. Today was a, a, little, a little bit more than a drizzle, yeah, but, but the traffic was rough. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Like, I'm, I'm embarrassed for L.A. If you, you know, if you come from a different part of the country and you have to drive on a day like today, whereas, you know, if I was in Seattle for six years and mm-hmm. in Seattle, when it rained, I mean, since it rained all the time, that's just the way people drove. Everybody just drove. No one drives very fast because they're never really in a hurry to go anywhere. Um, but they're not necessarily rude. They just they just they are. They just are. Mm-hmm. It's when it snowed the rare times in Seattle that people lost their minds. Uh, for those people who were brave enough to actually go out and drive to work, it's a lot of people just call in sick and wouldn't go in. Right. Uh, but but it's embarrassing when when we have what we call weather here. And uh, people from other parts of the country come in and they go, you guys are pansies. Well, I'm told this is not even a typical thing for this time of year. This is oh, not no. May weather. This no. is March weather. Yeah. So what's yeah. going on? I don't know. It's just weird. I didn't do it. I, I, I And I have no uh, I have no patience for rain in May. None. <laughs> this should be the time where it's like 96 degrees probably in the valley. And mm-hmm. maybe on a, you know, on an off day, it goes down to 80 or something like that. But. I'm ready for the heat. I love it. And I, I don't have any patience for this kind of weather. Well, you'll get a, one nice day tomorrow. Yeah. And then more rain expected this weekend. It's amazing. So there you go. That's your at, forecast. At Mammoth, by the way, they said there was a foot of snow this morning. Uh-huh. At Mammoth Mountain. That's incredible. And and we are getting sort of the tail end of the storm. Mm-hmm. The majority of it is up north. Uh, like Shannon w- is in Northern California today. Oh, that's where she is. She's going to be <laughs> rained on for four straight days. So that's, you know. All more power to her. All right. Uh, One of the big stories that we have been covering for the last couple of days is this ongoing, and it seems like gaining speed, fight over abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And Missouri, the state Senate in Missouri has passed a bill to ban abortions at eight weeks. Alabama's governor yesterday signed a bill into law that also bans nearly all the abortions in the state of Alabama. We'll talk about those, describe the differences between Mm -hmm. those two. And where they're going to end up. I mean, they're going to the Supreme Court. It's clear. Well, that's the goal. The goal is to um, force the Supreme Court's hand and hopefully overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, But even if that doesn't happen, the concern for many people who are against overturning Roe v. Wade is that the lower courts will have more power, that the states will be able to implement like what Missouri is doing, what Alabama is doing with this strong legislation, these these um, these plans or these bills that limit access to women in those states. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, your chance to win $1,000. We'll tell you how you can do that. I mean, you can, you can try. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I was asking Gary, am I eligible for this $1,000 a day? An hour? A minute? <laughs> uh, we, if you win, they will contact you by phone, so you got to make sure you answer the phone even if it is from a number that you don't recognize. Another chance an hour from now. In fact, every hour through the first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away $1,000 an hour. The bottom of the this hour, we're going to be telling you about a story out of Hawaii. A, uh, a hiker is missing in Maui. And the boyfriend... <clears throat> yeah, I know he's passed the lie detector test. That, that was my point. He passed the lie detector, and he's also rolled up his sleeves and said, Hey, mm-hmm. let me go search with you, police officers. Isn't that what they all say? No, usually they stand on TV and, and fake cry when they're guilty. <laughs> well, we'll talk about this. Uh, this He says that she's still out there somewhere. He, he believes that she's alive in the jungle. So um, anyway, we'll talk about that. And then later this hour, this uh, story about the SAT giving students adversity scores. 
Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that and what this means. Uh, my daughter is going through all of the college admission, ish, you know, as a junior in, in high school. This is absolutely top of mind in my household right now. So we'll talk about that coming up. All right. Yesterday, Missouri's Republican-led Senate passed a bill to ban abortions at eight weeks of pregnancy, joining places like Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, and Georgia that have approved what they call uh, what are commonly known as heartbeat bills, Mm -hmm. uh, banning abortions once fetal cardiac activity can be detected. Now, the other story was that Alabama just yesterday, the governor in Alabama signed a bill that is bans virtually all abortions. The only ones it carves out an exception for would be those uh, those cases of medical emergencies, the potential uh, threat to the to the life of the mother. Mm hmm. And unlike Alabama's law, the one in Missouri would only kick in if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So this is a very high profile, probably the one of the highest profile uh, abortion fights that we've seen in the last several years. Mm-hmm. Because we know it's going to the Supreme Court. We know this is going to a uh, conservative stacked court. Mm-hmm. And but that's there's no guarantee that they're going to hear the case. There's no guarantee. And, and there are other cases they still have before them from other states. Um, the latest with Missouri, that vote being 24 to 10. And you, you mentioned how it, it was restrictive. It, it has more, you know, room. Not, I'm not going to say wiggle room because it's very restrictive. Um, the case in, in Alabama, you can't, there's no exceptions. Yeah. Missouri at least has um, a, a few exceptions. But it is very restrictive. And the goal is to push this to the Supreme Court because the hope is that you know, with the addition of Brett Kavanaugh, that they could eventually and potentially overturn Roe versus Wade. But you need the five votes. You got to have the five votes. And mm-hmm. by the way, John Roberts, who is the chief justice, is a guy who has not come down uh, mm-hmm. as as staunchly conservative as a lot of people have thought. That mm-hmm. he's sort of become the swing vote replacing Anthony Kennedy in terms of decide, uh, siding with liberal justices on a lot of the decisions that have come down recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I feel like this is one of those issues, though, uh, abortion, that no matter who you talk to, no matter what side of the issue they come down on, no one is arguing the same thing. No. No one. Because if you are if you are uh, hyper pro-choice, you're talking about women's reproductive rights, all of that, you're, you're saying that that cluster of cells is not a baby. If you're pro-life, you're saying... It begins at conception. And mm-hmm. and if you if you cannot even agree on that, then you're never going to have an agreement on what should be allowed under law by the states, whatever. It's it it's an, it's an untenable, yeah. you know, unwinnable argument. You're, you're correct. No one will ever, I think, agree on when life begins with the Alabama law. It's saying abortions at any stage. Right. From day one with Missouri, it's saying around six weeks. Yeah, and it's it, the thing is, I don't think California specifically, because this is where we live and it's where I grew up. Abortion will always be legal in California. I I think even if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, that there will be carve outs for. Speci- I mean, it will be left up to the states. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of what what the plan is, what going forward looks like in the world of. It's it's weird to me to call it women's reproductive rights. That doesn't it doesn't ring true to me what we're really talking about. But in a place like California, this is not 
it's not going anywhere. No. Uh, abortion's going to be legal. It has been legal. It will be legal. So uh, it's it's one of those frustrating things. But in a place like Missouri or Alabama mm-hmm. or Georgia or Kentucky or Mississippi, then you have the issue of um, availability. Is that, a right, is that the right way to put it? Like where can you go to ex- yeah. to access an abortion? Yeah, because in Missouri they have what like one clinic. Yeah, and it, it specifically <laughs> three in Missouri in the Alabama and the Missouri laws. I'm not sure about the other ones, Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, and Georgia, but in these two laws that we're talking about that were just passed, or the Alabama law, and in mm-hmm. this case the Missouri bill, yeah, mm-hmm. um, there there's no punishment for women who who try to get an abortion. The punishment is specifically on the doctors. Mm-hmm. That in Missouri, it's up to between 5 and 15 years in jail, potentially. And in Alabama, they were talking about a maximum of 99, 99 years, years in prison. Mm-hmm. 10 to 99 years. And, and in both cases, no exception for pregnancies resulting um, from rape and incest. And that's a sticking point, I think, for a lot of people yeah. who are also pro-life. But they feel like in these cases, when someone was raped or was incest, there's that exception. Yeah. And listen, I, I come from a, a, an I come from it in a position uh, knowing that I don't have a lot of say in the conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm the dude. I don't have a lot of say in it. But I would say I would suggest that in the uh, if we're if we're talking about this being a women's reproductive issue, we got to start hanging the guys out to dry on this. We got to start hanging these dudes who are dropping their seed all over the place Mm -hmm. and get them involved in this somehow. What I don't know. Punishment, financial, I don't know. But there's got to be some recognition that that the, what started the ball rolling was not a one-person job. Right. So, I, I don't mean, know how you do that, though. I mean, think about the know. number of people who go on to be, you know, single mothers and yeah. struggle to provide for their children. And then the deadbeats, not saying all dads, or not even saying most of you guys, so calm down. But then the deadbeats <laughs> who don't even pay child support. Right. And the problem that the systems have now trying to even track these guys down and make them pay. So how are you going to give someone the financial responsibility when it comes down to abortion? I don't know. I don't know. And that, that's the thing is we're, you know, and then coming back to it's an unwinnable argument. You're never going to change anybody's mind. Uh, I've, it, the rare person that, that we probably know who has changed their opinion on mm-hmm. abortion through the course of their life. I don't know. It's just a, it's so a strange and uh, unwinnable argument. All right. But we'll keep an eye on this and see if there's any new news that comes out today. When we come back, the update on that missing hiker from Maui. The boyfriend says she's still out there. How does he know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Layla sitting in for Shannon today. Shannon, Layla Muhammad sitting in for Shannon today at the uh, top of the hour. More problems for USC. More. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also update what's going on in the uh, Varsity Blues scandal, including Olivia Jade's high school counselor. She could be called to testify against Massimo Giannulli because Massimo Giannulli apparently stormed into her office and yelled at her when she was questioning whether or not she was actually a member of any rowing team or had any ability in a boat. Well, which is her job to question that. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. right? And you're looking forward to a story coming up with Taco Bell opening mm. a hotel and resort. I just, I, 
I love this idea. I love the creative marketing that they're putting into this because <laughs> I mean, it's not going to. It's not like there's Taco Bell's not going to open a chain of hotels, but they're taking an opportunity to just to just take a moment and appreciate what they are. Mm. You know, if you're a fan of Taco Bell, I mean, it's not that I love Taco Bell. They do have the best sauce. They do have some good the sauce. Sauces. Is so good. Uh, I want to introduce you to a guy named Ben Conkle. Ben's 35-year-old girlfriend has been missing for a week after she went on a hike in Maui. I just want to encourage everyone to not give up hope that maybe she's not here. You know, I it's a, there's a very strong evidence pointing to, yeah, she's definitely still here. We just haven't found her yet. Okay. Uh, I'm just listening to Ben, and I don't believe him. You know, she's my soulmate. She's my love of my life. I feel she's still out there. Well, here's my thing. There may be people who are, they don't show as much emotion as the average person. I think if my loved one were missing and we found the keys, you know, and we found the car and the wallet and the phone, I would think my loved one's kidnapped and killed and murdered in the woods and I'm, I'm devastated. We're crying and you'd lose your mind. I would. He, he seems very calm, but there may be some people out there yes. who are just more put together They're in these situations. psychopaths. <laughs> That's well, I would be losing my mind if this had happened. Although we looked at Ben's picture, and I, I, I told Gary, I said, I swear he looks like he's on an episode of Survivor. Yeah. You've got to see this dude's picture. Ruggedly handsome with just a hint of a lazy eye, uh, good five o'clock shadow, <laughs> just scruffy, scruffy enough hair. Yeah. Um, he was caught, uh, one of the reporters from Maui Times, a newspaper caught up with him, uh, I think this was yesterday, after he had sat with the police for a lie detector test. Uh, the police was actually yesterday. Okay. Um, it, went, it went well. Uh, they came over and searched my house in the morning and um, did surveillance and fingerprinting and whatever they needed to do and asked me questions. Um, and shortly thereafter, I drove into town to go to a police station to take a polygraph test um, in which I passed. Um, and based on those two circumstances, the cops have cleared my name completely. Um, which is the truth, and um, I just want everyone to know that, that it's no need to point fingers anymore. Um, I'm out here doing everything I can to help find the love of my life, and what I need now more than blame um, is just help, help searching. Help. He needs more than blame. He needs help searching, and he's talked about uh, the, the first part of that interview is him talking about the numbers, the sheer numbers of people that have been out looking for Amanda Eller since she vanished. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a week ago. I just, uh, I still, I'm sticking to this. First I don't trust all, the even keel of his voice. It that's creeps me. It creeps. I'm, cre- I'm fully <laughs> creeped out. I need a shower after She's that She's been gone for a week and he's just totally like, you know. He's chill with it. Well, he, he did say though, and this is the part that got me concerned. Apparently in their relationship, if she doesn't answer her phone, he doesn't see her throughout the day. No big deal. He says she kind of does her own thing. I don't know how your relationship Which is. Which is why I, he killed her. Right. Well, but what I'm saying is, but by, by late in the evening, I would be freaked out. You're not answering your phone. Right. You went on this hike. I, it was the next day that he hopped in his car, called police, and then he said he went searching himself for her. But that was the next day. Right. Would you not go that evening if she doesn't come home and get in the bed like usual? Yes. That's the thing. I mean, that's my only concern. I, I, uh, yeah, I've got no problems except for the actual octave of this man's voice. That's I'm out. Your That's octave, a no from me. Your today. octave is guilty. Hope yes. is not lost. And hope is not lost. You know, there's still so much of a chance that we can find her. Yes, 
Um, but <laughs> if she was alive, sure. But since you killed her and dumped the body somewhere oh. that you're not telling anybody. Here's the other thing. If he did pass a lie detector test, which he says he did, I have no mm-hmm. reason to believe he didn't because right. I don't know. Um, the police, if I was a detective looking into this case, I'm going to tell him, oh, yeah, sure, you passed the lie detector test. Sure you did. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, help us search. Why don't you... Why don't you lead the search where you think she might be? And then just put a bug on that guy and and let him lead you to the body. Yep. Oh, I hope it's not the case. I, I agree. I hope it's not the case. Let's say she sprained her ankle and fell down a ditch, bumped her head. She's alive, and they find her dehydrated and, you know, carry her back off um, The There was a very <laughs> sad angle to this. I guess she had early in the day before she went on the hike. She had sent her mother a Mother's Day package, I guess. Yeah, oh, wow. at the post office. She dropped off a package. She also went and stopped by a store and got some, like, water and energy bars. So there's video of her in her yoga gear before all this right. happened. But that's sad, though, for the mother to, you know, receive the package and still no word of where she is. So we'll see if she ever turns up. <clears throat> Alive, hopefully, yes. Yes, yes hopefully. Yes. yes, I agree. She has energy bars. We're Okay, we're... <laughs> No, they're probably in the car. They're in the car that was found with the cell phone and wallet. Well. Yeah, see. I hope for the best, but I expect that the boyfriend did it, and he's a mean person. All right, we come back. SAT is going to give students adversity scores. We'll talk about this when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, Layla Muhammad sitting in for Shannon today. One of the uh, stories that we've been following, of course, is uh, what's going on with in the Persian Gulf. And yesterday we were saying that some of our allies had sort of doubted, at least uh, at least privately, doubted some of the intelligence that led us to beef up our presence there and send out warnings and uh, evacuate non-essential personnel from the embassy in Baghdad. Well, Sky News is now reporting that the U.K. has raised the threat level for British personnel in Iraq because of this heightened risk from Iran, whatever it is. They uh, also had uh, diplomats in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar have been placed on increased state of alerts. guess the New York Times came out and said today that one of the things that we're relying on is a photo of Iranian missiles being loaded onto small boats, that that was the intelligence that caused... Uh, this current round of uh, of frustration, uh, fear, I guess, that Iran was planning on doing something. All right. College board, the people that uh, put out the scholastic aptitude test, the SAT, are going to assign adversity scores to every student who takes the SAT to try to capture their social and economic background. Um, jumping, which is strange because they're. One of the issues that's uh, that's sort of bubbling under the surface of all of this is that it can be used instead of race-based emissions mm-hmm. uh, admissions. The but it one of the quotes from one of these guys is pretty funny because he's saying we're basically using race-based uh, admissions without talking about race. The right. purpose is to get to race. Without using race mm-hmm. is what Anthony Carnivale said. He was a he's director of Georgetown's Center on Education and Workforce and worked for the College Board. And so the way they're they're coming up with this number, this adversity score, they're calculating 
15 factors. It includes, like you're saying, this is how they can possibly get to, to race, looking at socioeconomic status as well. But they're including the crime rate, poverty levels based on the student's high school location, their neighborhood. So there are a lot of factors they're taking into consideration to see should this be something they consider when they're looking at whether I get in or you get in. Right. You know, maybe that she comes from a bad neighborhood, yet she's still, you know, working this full-time job and or this part-time job and she has all these activities, but she scored a little bit lower on her SAT. Right. So it's almost like a, um, I don't know if it would be a booster because the scores would be separate. Be, you, you'd have your SAT score, whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be, whatever number you come up with, uh, 1,200, let's say. And then the adversity score is on a level, uh, on a scale from 1 through 100, 50 being average. And if you're higher, uh, you're higher on that adversity scale, you came from a harder place. You, you have uh, more hardship in your life. A lower score below 50 is more privileged. So I would be about a two, in all honesty. You know, suburban, normal, um, safe neighborhood, et cetera, middle-class family. Didn't come from a lot of wealth or anything like that. That's why I'm not a one. But but So my score would be looked at differently than somebody else's. Who, who grew up in a smaller town or, or, or a big city, for example, and they had to work a part-time job to pay the rent or whatever. I guess I'm having a hard time with, though, uh, or the issue that I have with this is, are you suggesting then that the somebody who has a higher adversity score deserves to go to college more than somebody who has a lower diver, uh, adversity score? I don't think they're saying that. I think they're just saying we're taking this into consideration. They have this dashboard before them that we don't see. The student doesn't see their adversity score either. Right. And it's just one more thing to consider. I don't know if it's because they're weighing between two applicants. And which one do we go with? This one or the one who had a harder time getting here? I don't know if they're saying that. I think it's just one more thing to take into consideration. Not saying that you don't deserve to go because you had less adversity. It's more so, I think... Well, their score might be a little lower because of all these other obstacles he right. or she is facing. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from it. As a parent, though, of a young person getting going through this process, getting ready to go to college, how do you feel about an adversity score being added if well, this were the case for your daughter's school? Well, I, I don't like it because mm-hmm. I, I know what her score would be, and I know that that would then put her at a disadvantage, as weird as that sounds. Uh, to get into a school that she would want to get into. And because because it is a zero-sum game. There is a finite number of seats that, that in classrooms. There's, a, there's only so many students that each of these schools will let in. And we've seen with the Varsity Blues scandal that there are people of, of privilege, wealth specifically, that kind of privilege, that are taking seats away from kids who probably deserve it more than some Apple influencer uh i say apple instead of a hole i got it okay <laughs> i got where you're going with it uh be, and and you know it, because somebody like olivia jade took that seat in that class at usc somebody who deserved it and wanted to go to college and wanted to go to usc they don't get to go so i feel like there's a because it is a zero-sum game there are going to be losers in this and I don't want my daughter to be a loser in that. Because she doesn't have the adversity that the next student may have. Right. Right now, it's only in 50 schools. So 50 schools did this as part of a beta test last year, and they're moving it to 150 schools 
for the fall. So not sure if your daughter's school might be one of those schools this fall. Yeah, I don't I don't know. What are some of the things colleges are still looking at? I know when I went to college many moons ago, we had to have, you know, a very diverse background in terms of what we were involved in. You couldn't just be a straight A student. You had to have a job, play 55,000 sports, right. real sports, because back then we didn't get the word that I could lie about joining a row team and, and still get. That wasn't a thing <laughs> back then. So I wish someone had told me that. You couldn't but, Photoshop your picture. Right. In. But I was involved in a lot of volunteer work and school activities. Is that still something they're considering or 100%. is it more just? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, and you have to be able to determine or you have to be able to show how those things have affected your life. You can't just be a member of a team. You have to be a, a contributing member of a team. You have to. You you can't just volunteer. You have to have some sort of. Um, uh, it's got to have some impact on you. You know, you have to be able to demonstrate how each of these things has made you a better person. Perhaps. Oh wow! Whether that's through your essays, through your interviews, something you've got to be able to do that because we're at a point now where a four Grade point average is worthless. Yeah, that's it's not even high worthless. anymore. You've got to have a four point five the or AP a four point six. Mm-hmm. You've got to have all your AP classes. You've got to have uh, uh, you know thirty four, thirty five on your ACT and twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred on your SAT just to get looked at. And that's a that's a frustrating thing because I know I know how hard my daughter works. I know how smart she is. I know how creative she and how dedicated she is to to learning. That. That somebody like that would would be passed over simply because the adversity score is not as high as it should be. Now, again, it's not because it's not that she wouldn't go to college. It's that maybe she didn't go to the school that she had her heart set on because it's a you know, again, it's a zero sum game. Um, they, They talk about the schools that are using this, that are using adversity score in terms of their admissions, have said that they want to make sure that they have increased socioeconomic diversity. Yale, for example. Yale says they've doubled the number of low-income and first-generation to attend college students to about 20% of their newly admitted. So the adversity score, according to Yale, is literally affecting every application that they look at. And it's been part of their success story in helping diversify the freshman class. But diversity, just for the sake of diversity, just to say that you can say that you're socioeconomically diverse, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It, it doesn't – I mean, you've got to have different perspectives and different – that's why you go to college in the first place, right? I mean, is is to to learn in an environment where people are different than you. I love that about college. I love being around people that didn't look like me, didn't have the same financial background as I had or the same beliefs um, necessarily. That think, I think that makes you a more well-rounded person. But yeah. also I'm a military child, so I, I had that growing up, being around other people in, in our neighborhood who were very diverse because we were all just sort of brought together because of the military. Um, the college board tried this before, back in 1999, and it didn't last long. It was a similar program called Strivers, mm-hmm. and it didn't last long. So let's see if this one lasts. I'm sure they'll get some pushback, though. Yeah, and it's going to be pushback from parents like me. I mean, that that I know whether it's by my doing or not, or my parents doing or whoever, my, my daughter's adversity score is going to be really low. She doesn't have a lot of hardship, and but I don't know if she should be it, – it's – it's not looking at it correctly, and I know this, I, to say that she would be punished for not having adversity in her life because um, that there would be value added to her college application because of the hardships or lack thereof that she went through. I don't know. It's, it's just frustrating because 
I know how hard she has worked. You sound like a dad who's so proud. You're like, I know my baby has worked hard. (laughs) She deserves to go to college. Uh, Speaking of college, USC is in some trouble once again. A uh, plastic surgeon is now in trouble. What is it with doctors at USC? Just stop it. We'll do that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Shannon on this Thursday. It's May 16th. Shannon's out today. Layla Muhammad sitting in for her. When we get into Swamp Watch at 1230, we will uh, tell you more about Bill de Blasio. I guess there are still people who think it's a good idea to run for president. Because 23 or 24, whatever number he is. I think he's 23, right? It doesn't matter after twenty thousand. After ten, after I think ten, we just it's, just it's, it's all bonus at this yeah. point. Anyway, Bill De Blasio made his announcement. We'll talk about that. Beto O'Rourke news, of course. Um, the guy he continues to step on his own shoelaces. It looks like as he's running for president. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, the uh, PG and E has finally come forward. Officially said that they did cause the campfire. Uh, investigators have concluded that PG and E has sort of danced around the issue for a long time, but we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, Another USC doctor is in trouble, and I I only say that he is connected to USC. The school itself says anytime he uses the term USC, it's voluntary, and he's not really one of ours. He's not a paid employee. He's not a faculty member. He runs a a fellowship that is sponsored by USC. Right. That's the connection. But... His name is on the list of USC's plastic and reconstructive surgery clinics. So you can't, I don't, listen, the school has had a horrible PR nightmare over the last couple of years. They're, that office has just got to be, it's got to be pulling its hair out. Or, or they're hiring more PR people, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Or, or there might be an opening. Um, but this guy, his name is Dr. Jay Calvert, and he is being sued accused of making up false diagnoses in order to perform a dozen unnecessary surgeries on a woman over four years. In addition, he was fraudulently billing Natalie West's insurance company, allegedly, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, even though she had originally paid out of pocket. So uh, the attorney for the doctor says all of this stuff is baseless. He uh, He explained that he thinks Natalie West's Attorney is just trying to get some fame out of this and that none of this is is true. Well, here's the story. Natalie says she met Dr. Calvert in 2013. She was looking to have an earlier nose job repaired after she'd been injured in a car accident. So she gave the doctor her insurance information because he requested it, even though she literally wrote a check for $25,000, yeah, $24,900 out of pocket. Which doesn't seem unusual to me that you would still give the insurance information. Sometimes they want to just have all your stuff on file. Sure. Like when you're calling a doctor's office and on over the phone they want to know your insurance company, the group number, right? All right. your information. So I wouldn't find that odd that she didn't question that he wanted more information from her. Right. That and and I agree with that. The problem is there are other things that she, that he did 
that should have raised a red flag, or at least you would have gotten on the phone with your own insurance company, right? Well, do you know? Well, they do send letters, though. My insurance company would send a letter about payments made mm-hmm. for different services. Right. You go to the dentist, you get a root canal, whatever, you'll know the breakdown from the insurance company. Did she just not look at these letters in the mail to know that they Maybe. had already given over $88,000 <laughs> to this doctor? 88000 and you're also writing checks? Maybe she didn't open the mail. Maybe. By, by billing her... You know, she was writing the checks and the insurance company. This doctor, according to the lawsuit, this doctor engaged in a double billing scheme that deprived her approximately $13,000, basically. That's a lot in, of money. In cash. And after her first surgery, the lawyer says that uh, that Natalie was convinced or she was persuaded by the doctor to undergo 12 other operations, that her surgeries would be free... Because she had paid out of pocket for the first in, uh, for the first operation, which I never heard of that either. I haven't either. But um, if this is a new doctor, maybe you don't know their billing practices. Okay, so she's going along with it. The first, the first nose job is free. Everything else, you know, I mean, the first nose job you pay for, everything else is free after that. Now, the thing is that that he told her she'd still have to pay out of pocket for the use of the operating room and the anesthesia. Not for the surgery itself, just to rent the space and maybe the drugs. Now, she said, wait a minute, won't my insurance cover that? And the doctor said, no. So she paid 16000 for the 12 surgeries. Doctor collected more than 330000 from the insurance company. This is a mess. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the money part of it. There's also, she says she was sexually assaulted while she was unconscious during one of these surgeries. That a gynecologist told her after the after the alleged sexual assault that one side of her uterus was black and full of clots and that she would have to have a hysterectomy. Now, the lawsuit says that someone, not the doctor necessarily, probably a USC student, a resident or a fellow, attempted some sort of unknown medical procedure involving her uterus without her consent. That's that's crazy. I have questions. How many people were in the room? Right. You that's know, that's you're, one question. When you're under anesthesia, is there not another female present or assuming that the other person was a male? I don't know. I mean, at this point, it could have been anyone if she's saying he had other people operating on her while she was out. Yeah. Now, again, the school says, we don't know this guy. They he didn't say we don't know him. Well, <laughs> they just said he's not ours. He's not ours. He's just using our letters. In the statement, they said that they... They are aware of the lawsuit, but no USC students were involved in any of the fraudulent billing activities. They haven't said much about the alleged sexual assault. By the way, not the first time this guy's been accused of dirty deeds. No. 2014, he was accused uh, of making false claim of perjury after patients said that he had performed unnecessary surgeries. So sort of falling in line with what she's saying. But those charges were dropped, and his lawyer said the charges were dropped because there was a lack of evidence. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> I got questions. The doctor? The doctor's in New Orleans getting, uh, he's be- being named the uh, president of the Rhinoplasty Society of America at their annual conference. I guarantee you he's not doing interviews. <laughs> That's true. Before or after. Uh, all right. Speaking of USC, we've uh, spent plenty of time updating you on the Varsity Blues, uh, Operation Varsity Blues, the FBI and the college cheating scandal. 
Well, we have a new one, a student who is now suing to stay in school, even though dad paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get him in. We also have a chance at $1,000. Tell you how you can win that when we come back. It's Gary and Shannon. Layla sitting in for Shannon today. At- From the back of the Remember, if you win that $1,000, they will contact you by phone, so you got to answer the phone, even if it is from a number that you don't recognize. We have a chance an hour from now for you to pick up another $1,000. In fact, every hour from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, we give away $1,000 an hour right here on KFI. Coming up uh, next hour, we're going to be talking about Chris Rock and the fact that he wants to reboot the Saw franchise, which is... uh, I, I'm sure no one was clamoring for, but I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to expect from that. I feel like most reboots, we weren't really looking for, asking for them to happen. It's true. I and didn't see Saw 1, 2, 3. How many were there? 4, 5, 6, oh, 7. Oh, there's probably 10. You saw them. Oh, no. Oh. No, no, the same no. same as Democratic candidates. There's just like... <laughs> there's they're all... Them. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any of them. I just... That's not my style of movie. I wasn't... Oh, then this conversation with the two of us is going to be fantastic. <laughs> Stick around for the two people who never saw Saw to tell you about the reboot. Uh, by Chris the way, Rock. you can donate now to help the American Red Cross join us, join KFI on October 16th for a night of magic at a legendary mansion in the hills of Hollywood. The charitable donation is going to grant you entrance and dinner with the KFI hosts. Live broadcast, by the way, of the Tim Conway Jr. Show. There will be magical performances and more single tickets available for $350. And group ticket discounts also available. Again, this all goes to the American Red Cross. The tickets are limited. You're going to want to buy now to help fund the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California for all of the details. Log on to KFIAM640.com and use the keyword Red Cross. All right. Operation Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. We've talked about this before. And one of the issues that's come up is... All of these parents spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and in a handful of cases, millions of dollars to get their kids into schools. And one of the side issues about all of this is whether or not the kids themselves knew what was going on. And if they didn't, if they were not a party to this, should they be kicked out of school? Yeah, I wrestle with that. I think no. I, I I get the parents who are frustrated that perhaps your child got in because you paid $100,000 and my kid didn't get in. That's something they can take up with with the school. But I don't think a child or a young person should be punished if they're going to school, working hard, didn't know about the bribe. Now, if I had to write an essay and said that I was on a tennis team that I was not a part of, then I have... A different take on this. You, you're right. If you because knew, you knew that you were lying about all of this. You said you played tennis and, dude, you really played basketball. That's a problem. In this case, uh, Steven Sempravivo uh, is a guy who paid $400,000 to get his son into, his son Adam, into Georgetown University. And he faked documents basically suggesting um, that he was tennis, a, a tennis player. A like tennis you recruit. Said. Mm-hmm. And he was actually a basketball player. Right. So, But, but knowing that, uh, that tennis was one of those, I don't want to say soft sports, because I'm not saying that the sport is soft, but just the program is a little bit easier to get into, perhaps a little lower profile than Georgetown basketball. Uh, so the dad paid the $400,000 to Rick Singer, of course, to get him in, to get Adam in. 
the school, Georgetown, said they're going to kick him out. Ten hours after the lawsuit landed in federal court, the the uh, school said that it was going to rescind his offer of admission. Now, here's the thing. I I kind of feel like the kid has been a part of this a little bit. Well, he's yes, but he's also doing the work. That this is a frustrating thing. Like you could say they're they're not just saying get out of Georgetown. They're saying get out of Georgetown and we're pulling all of the credits that you've earned up to this point. Yeah, he by the way had a 3.18 grade point average. He did write a letter in April saying I will, you know, I will back out of this. If I have a clean record, I don't want a black eye on my transcript. I want right. to be able to transfer somewhere else. Right. So I will just withdraw. That's fine. So I think that's probably the better. I think that would be better for Georgetown to do because I, they are obviously embarrassed by this. I think all of the schools that have been put through this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not it's not good. Yes. Your credibility. I mean, I'm trying to be nice about it. It's not good at all. I mean, your credibility is on the line. Yeah. And also just sort of the legacy of the school. And people, they go for these degrees from these prestigious schools because they want that on their resume, that they went to this school. Yeah. Now you're letting people pay to bring their kids in and then play fake sports and get scholarships that people who play real sports can't get. Yeah. The other uh, The other story about this Varsity Blues thing is we found out that it looks like one of the counselors at Marymount High School, the all-girls school that Olivia uh, Janouli went to, Olivia Jade. Mm-hmm. One of the counselors could potentially be brought in to uh, discuss this because apparently Massimo Janouli ran into her and was yelling at her, stormed into the ca- uh, guidance counselor's office and told her to stop asking questions about whether or not Olivia was a member of the crew team, even though the school doesn't have a crew team. Which is why the counselor was quizzing Olivia Jade. Right. Tell us what you know about our crew team. Uh, Because we don't have one. Dad runs in the office and yells at her, apparently. So she sends Dad an email. That's how you get people. You put it in writing. Right. She (laughs) sends Dad an email. Just want to go over what happened today. Uh, she she shared with the USC assist, Senior Assistant Director of Admission that you had visited this morning, affirmed for me that your younger daughter is truly a coxswain, uh, apparently set off alarm bells at USC. Donna Heinel, of course, the former uh, athlete, Associate Athletic director, director, was then on the phone to Rick Singer. Rick Singer, of course, is the guy who has now pleaded guilty and is uh, turned against all of these people. I, this this case against the Massimo Giannulli and Lori Lachlan looks layers and layers. A future lifetime airtight. movie, future lifetime movie. <laughs> I guess it could be. It will be, uh, but she won't be in it. No. Um, anyway, we come back. PG&E and their power lines. We now know, and investigators have concluded that they started the campfire. We'll talk about that when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Follow me into the door. Gary and Shannon, we're going to go live to the White House Rose Garden. The president is uh, unveiling his new immigration plan. Here he is speaking right now. Together as a national family. Throughout our history, we have proudly welcomed newcomers to our shores. Out of many people from many places, we have forged one people and one nation under God. And we're very proud of it. 
We share the same home. We share the same destiny. And we pledge allegiance to the same great American flag. Our policies have turbocharged our economy. Now we must implement an immigration system that will allow our citizens to prosper for generations to come. Today we are presenting a clear contrast. Democrats are proposing open borders, lower wages, and, frankly, lawless chaos. We are proposing an immigration plan that puts the jobs, wages, and safety of American workers first. Our proposal is pro-American, pro-immigrant, and pro-worker. It's just common sense. It will help all of our people, including millions of devoted immigrants, to achieve the American dream. We are grateful to be joined this afternoon by a tremendous number of people from the House, the Senate, and my Cabinet. And I love you all, but I won't introduce you all because I'll be here all day long. But you're all here. Our plan achieves two critical goals. First, it stops illegal immigration and fully secures the border. And second, it establishes a new legal immigration system that protects American wages, promotes American values, and attracts the best and brightest from all around the world. The proposal begins with the most complete and effective border security package ever assembled by our country or any other country, for that matter. So important. This plan was not developed, I'm sorry to say, by politicians. We have a lot of politicians. But you respect the people and you know the people that have developed this plan. It was designed with significant input from our great law enforcement professionals to detail what they need to make our border, which is 100 percent operationally secure. 100 percent. Everyone agrees that the physical infrastructure on the border and the ports of entry is gravely underfunded and woefully inadequate. We scan only a small fraction of the vehicles, goods, and all of the other things coming across, including people. And sadly, the drugs pour across our border. We're going to stop it. Investment in technology will ensure we scan 100 percent of everything coming through, curbing the flow of drugs and contraband while speeding up legal trade and commerce. It's the most heavily traded monetarily border anywhere in the world, and it's not even close. To make certain that we are constantly making the upgrades we need, our proposal creates a permanent and self-sustaining border security trust fund. This will be financed by the fees and revenues generated at the border crossings itself. Importantly, we're already building the wall, and we should have close to 400 miles built 
by the end of next year and probably even more than that. It's going up very rapidly. And I want to thank the Army Corps of Engineers who are doing a fantastic job on the wall. And that's a wall that is desperately needed. As we close the gaps in our physical framework, we must also close the gaps in our legal framework. Critical to ending the border crisis is removing all incentives for smuggling women and children. Current law Next slide. That's right. Women and children. People have no idea how bad it is unless you're there and unless you are a member of law enforcement. They see it every day and they can't believe what they see. Current law and federal court rulings encourage criminal organizations to smuggle children across the border. The tragic result is that 65 percent of all border crossers this year were either minors or adults traveling with minors. Our plan will change the law to stop the flood of child smuggling and to humanely reunite unaccompanied children with their families back home and rapidly, soon as possible. We must also restore the integrity of our broken asylum system. Our nation has a proud history of affording protection to those fleeting government persecutions. Unfortunately, legitimate asylum seekers are being displaced by those lodging frivolous claims. These are frivolous claims to gain admission into our country. Asylum abuse also strains our public school systems, our hospitals and local shelters, using funds that we should and that have to go to elderly veterans, at-risk youth, Americans in poverty, and those in genuine need of protection. We're using the funds that should be going to them. And that shouldn't happen. And it's not going to happen in a very short period of time. Have to get this approved. My plan expedites relief for legitimate asylum seekers by screening out the meritless claims. If you have a proper claim, you will quickly be admitted. If you don't, you will promptly be returned home. Crucially, our plan closes loopholes in federal law to make clear that gang members and criminals are inadmissible. These are some of the worst people anywhere in the world, MS-13 and others. Inadmissible, not coming in. We're taking them out all the time by the thousands a year. But they come in. They are no longer admissible. And for criminals already here, we will ensure their swift deportation. We will keep our communities safe. Americans can have complete and total confidence that under this plan, the borders will finally be fully and totally secured.
And I know uh, a number of our Republican friends and others, Lindsay, I see you sitting right there, and Steve, uh, you're working on a plan, an immediate plan, a smaller plan, but a very immediate plan to stop it as of this afternoon. So as fast as you can get something done, this is the big, beautiful, bold plan, but we need something very quickly, and if you can get it done, that would be Fantastic. Right, the president right. there uh, from the White House, he's uh, unveiling his immigration proposal. We're going to continue to uh, roll on this and keep an ear on it, see as he gets into some of the details about what the plan is. Uh, but for it doesn't really change numbers in terms of uh, curbing immigration, uh, but does place more of an emphasis on merit in terms of deciding who gets to come into the United States and who doesn't. So anyway, we'll talk more about that at 1230 when we get into Swamp Watch. Back to that PG&E story when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Shannon, Layla Muhammad in for Shannon today. Uh, we've been just dipped in and listened to a bit of the president unveiling his new proposed merit-based immigration system. We'll talk more about that at 1230. Mona Kosar-Abdi is going to join us and help us break down, look into some of the details of what is uh, what the White House is proposing. Uh, a reminder that a week from tomorrow, our next News & Brews, we're going to be live at Bravery Brewing on 8th Street up in Lancaster to help kick off Memorial Day weekend. Uh, come on out, have a couple of beers. Oh, by the way, we they are releasing next Friday KFIPA, Red IPA, brewed by myself. And Nick was there. I mean, he stirred a little bit. He didn't really do a whole lot of the, Actually, I didn't do much of the work either. It was mostly Brian. But we were there. <laughs> the story just keeps changing by the second. <laughs> it's, Who did this work? <laughs> uh, they did, not us. But we were there again. Anyway, the Chop Shop barbers are going to be there providing haircuts for veterans all day. Bombshell Betty's out there promoting their calendars to support veterans. Uh, the Tacos El Superior food truck is going to be there. Patriot Guard Riders Motorcycle Club. All of that. So that's next Friday, May 24th, to kick off Memorial Day weekend at Bravery Brewing in Lancaster. All right. The bad news. But it was not a surprise, but the bad news from CAL FIRE, the investigation is over into the campfire, and they said in a news release yesterday that they have determined the campfire was caused by electrical transmission lines owned and operated by PG&E located up in that Polga area. PG&E acknowledged a couple of months ago that they believed that it was probable, duh, that their equipment would be determined to be the ignition point in the 2018 campfire. The... The new head of PG&E was actually at a committee hearing at the state capitol yesterday when this news was announced, and he said, it's a disappointment that this happened. Let's not do it again. Yeah, that was pretty much his message because he's, he's, you know, before this committee hearing, while this news is coming down, he also said that the company would demonstrate a higher commitment to safety under his watch, inspect all of its equipment in areas of high fire risk, intensifying vegetation management and shutting off power in advance of dangerous conditions. Sounds like things that should have already been in place Yeah, before this happened. We've talked, we've known that they were, they being PG&E and other utilities, had had at least discussed the idea for the last couple of years now, ever since the fires up in the Sonoma County wine country area, that 
maybe it's a good idea in those high wind events to shut down some of the high power the the transmission lines. But nobody ever pulled the trigger on that. They talked about it, but nobody, as far as I know, no utility has to this point ever shut down power in a high wind event like that. They just talked about it. Well, it's changing now. Yeah. Sadly, now. going to have to. After, you know, 85 people died and thousands of homes destroyed. A, uh, a spokesperson for, uh, for Cal Fire said the investigation was complicated by a bunch of factors. First of all, the, the topography just literally getting to the area where the fire started was pretty rough. Uh, the intensity of the fire, the footprint of the fire, how large it was, and they have to be incredibly methodical when it comes to figuring out what started it. Our investigators don't have an opportunity to be 80% right. We have to be 100% right, and it's about getting closure for the fire survivors and the victims. Now, obviously, we've, we covered the fire extensively when it happened back in November, but the process of the rebuilding is, uh, it's I, I think it's indescribable. I mean, just because I, I mean, you were talking about the numbers. You were surprised by the numbers of how few people had moved back into paradise. Yeah, so 27,000 people once lived there. 27,000, only 1,500 have returned. Yeah, and, and those 1,500 are living a hard life because there's no sewer, uh, I don't think there's very much power, if any, in certain areas of that. And we've now found out that there is benzene in the water. I mean, it's going to take they, – they estimated 173 miles of pipeline that they're testing and finding out which sections need to be replaced because either they were melted or damaged by the fire. That alone, just replacing water pipes, two years. And until that's done – the water is unusable. Yeah, the uh, irrigation district manager there in Paradise said they've tested 500 service lines in that district at this point. 30% are contaminated. So the melted metal, the plastic, the wood, all of that creating that toxic mix. 30% contaminated. It's probably higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, and if you figure, you know, there are 1,200 businesses that were in town before the fire. About 120 have reopened. Two two coffee shops, one restaurant. But that's a t- now you're talking about that town of what used to be 27,000 people down to 1,500. It, it's starting from scratch. Even though most of the infrastructure was is there, it's just that it's damaged and can't be used again. So Very sad. All right. We'll come back. We'll do trending. We're going to get into that Chris Rock story because it's hilarious about him rebooting the, uh, the <laughs> Saw franchise, which nobody asked for. But anyway, <laughs> we'll do that when we continue. Layla Muhammad in for Shannon today on The Gary and Shannon Show. So our friend Layla Muhammad is in. Hello, hello. <laughs> She's not sick, Blake. She's not sick. <laughs> but we, uh, at the bottom of the hour, are going to get into Swamp Watch. The president just wrapped up a uh, news conference outside the uh, White House, or a speech, I guess you could say, outside the White House, and has been talking about a merit-based immigration plan. We'll talk more uh, with Mona Kosar-Abdi coming up at 1230 about what that is going to entail. Uh, also, uh, in Swamp Watch, 
yet another person has decided that they're going to run for the Democratic nomination for president. And in this case, Bill de Blasio uh, tripped over his own junk uh, as he tried to unveil his uh, his running for president today. So we'll talk about that coming up. But um, it's time for what else? Time for what's happening. Well, in L.A., of course, whenever it rains, the hashtag L.A. rain trends. So I guess we have to talk about the fact that it's raining or rained. It did rain. Rained. 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 That's that's and it. it, you know, made the morning commute uh, just an absolute uh, mess. Which I still don't get. I don't understand. It wasn't like a torrential downpour. No. There's no, you know, ponding on the highway. No. I didn't even see an accident. No, it's just that people are dumb. That's all. <laughs> That's the only explanation. People are dumb. <laughs> just add water. Um, and they're talking about how this is record-setting rain. Well, yeah, because we don't usually get rain in the middle of May. So the record was low to begin with. Right. You the didn't bar, have much to pass. The bar was very low. Um, May 16th is not a very wet day. So, of course, we were going to see some some new records. The, uh, the National Weather Service office in Oxnard got nearly half an inch of rain by at 5 in the morning. Now, that shattered the previous record of four one-hundredths of an inch that was set back in 2011. So There you go. Uh, but this, this is going to stick with us. You heard um, Shauna mention on the, uh, in the weather forecast that we could see it. It should be done by the weekend, but we could see another couple of chances of rain coming in. There's a story out of Chicago that is just one of the more disturbing stories I think we've ever seen. Uh, a 19-year-old woman, Marlon Ochoa Uriastegui, was found early yesterday behind a house. The body, her body was found. A nine-month pregnant woman last seen leaving her high school on April 23rd. The same day that paramedics were called to the home several miles away on the southwest side about a newborn with some problems breathing. Oh. Now, it turns out that she was killed and... The baby was cut from her womb. The this new- is crazy. And the baby is in grave condition and not expected to survive. And the scary part was she was going to a home in Chicago in response to a Facebook offer for free baby clothing. Ends up getting strangled, baby cut from womb. This is tragic. She was uh, she was married. She also had a three-year-old son. Um, that woman that, that lured her to the home by offering the stroller and baby clothes was one of three people, apparently, who had been ar- who has been arrested. But at this point, uh, I, what, there's, there's nothing that's uh, bad enough for them to suffer. No. It's just an awful story. Gruesome story. In uh, much lighter news, Kelly Ripa got into it with uh, – Chris Harrison, the host of the Bachelor and Bachelorette series. <laughs> uh, he and Mike Fleiss, I guess, the creator of the series, were uh, fighting back because Kelly Ripa said, you know how I feel about this show. It disgusts me. I thought that I was disgusted because I couldn't stand the idea of 25 exceptional women fighting for over one ordinary fella, in my opinion. You know how I feel, ladies. We are too special to be arguing over a guy. Listen. This is the dregs of humanity that find joy and uh, inspiration in the in the TV show The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I'm not one of those people who watches. I don't understand what's going on. I don't believe that these people are in love. No. 
No, no, they're they're there for fame. They're 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 there to become influencers. The, the proposals are fake, and you know, very few stay together. But there's like that unspoken rule when you work for a company, you don't really talk out against said company <laughs> on national television. But Kelly's show, she gets to say her opinions. That's what she does. She doesn't like the show. Yeah. So Chris Harrison and Mike Fleiss come back and uh, fight back against Kelly, and they say, "Easy, Kelly. The Bachelor franchise pays your salary." <laughs> Which, I mean, in all honesty, now, Ellen Pompeo has gotten in on this. And she wrote to Mike Fleiss, okay, Fleissmeister, that's uh, some handle, bro. Because it's Fleissmeister. Your show does not pay <laughs> Kelly Ripa's salary. Also, we don't attack successful women on our network, and men certainly cannot take credit for their success. Don't get me started on your show, because I'm savage and oh. then use the hashtag Bachelor So White. Shots fired. <laughs> bang bang. <laughs> what a mess. I don't. I love this. This is fantastic. The Bachelorette was on um, Kelly and Ryan. I guess is the, what the show is called now to explain her position. And she said, "This is the this is the actual Bachelorette. I'm very against women fighting over a guy." I don't believe in it. I think it's weird, you know, weird, and sets us back. Wait a minute. But she also said she was, she was, she on, the was on the show. Yeah. And she says she wasn't even a fan of the show before she got on the show. A lie. But just, yeah. tries to say it's about, you know, making friendships and bringing people together. No, That's not really not, what the show's about. Not any of that stuff. Ric Flair is trending. Ric Flair, the longtime wrestler, 70 years old. He was in Atlanta, and he had some sort of a unspecified medical event, they said. He had to be rushed to an emergency room at a very serious medical emergency. Mm. He was a 16-time champion, which I don't remember there being champ. I guess everybody had belts, but I guess I don't was never a huge enough fan of wrestling to follow who was a champ and who wasn't. But Ric Flair was always the man. He was an incredible character. Um, he had a health scare last year. Yeah. After all the drugs he's done, we're lucky to have Ric Flair with us. His thirty for thirty is intense. Was it? Yeah, I think I've seen that one. But he was uh, he was on life support for ten days because of kidney failure last year, and that was from his lifelong problems with alcohol. Yes, so, said he would never drink alcohol. again. He had a, a pacemaker implanted at his chest. He got married for a fifth time because you know. And then finally, this this is a fun story. The sexiest accents in America. Not in the world, but the sexiest accents in America. Okay, what do you think is the sexiest accent? Somewhere in Nashville. Huh. Like Central Tennessee. I, I remember when I was working, uh, one of the first radio jobs I had, I had to call record companies and beg them for, you know, for their free early releases and things like that. And I would love to call Nashville. It's very different. If you call Hollywood, it's just, you know, somebody somebody from the valley that answers the phone. But some yeah, Nashville would be great. For some reason they say Long Island is the is the fiftieth. Like it's the, the worst. bottom of the list. Long Island, New Jersey, Minnesota, Alaska, California Valley is down at forty sixth. But the number one? But the number one is California. No. Number one is Boston? No. Wait. It's Texas. Texas, y'all. It has Texas. to be. Hey, now. Texas, y'all. Texas in the house. <laughs> and I don't have the Texas accent, even though I live there. I'm not from there. I'm from North Carolina, but I didn't bring that accent with me either. But I do say y'all sometimes. 
That's a good one. Texas first, Boston second, New York is third. That's crazy. I fourth, love the Brooklyn Maine, accent. Fifth, Chicago. Sixth, Mississippi. Seventh, Hawaiian. California number 10. It's rank one of the sexiest. It's not the See, sexiest. at least it's up there. At least it's not. What is the California accent? I can't I, figure that out. I, we're they probably it, doing it. I it don't just know. sounds similar to general American is what they said, meaning <laughs> that to, meaning to us, it's not an accent. We don't we don't hear it as an accent, but I, the, the valley accent is very distinct. Oh, yeah. That's annoying. Yeah, and the and the, the, vo- the voice probably like, <laughs> the oh, my God. Burn. That's how vocal, yeah. Everything oh. ends in a question mark. <laughs> right. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Chris Rock is trying to reboot the Saw franchise. We'll talk about that when we return. Also, an at- a chance at $1,000 to tell you how you can win it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gonna make you wanna why you even Gary and Shannon, Layla Muhammad has joined us today, sitting in for Shannon. If you win that $1,000, by the way, they'll contact you by phone, so make sure that you pick up that phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. We uh, give away $1,000 an hour, once an hour, from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call, all the way through the Handle Show, this show, John and Ken, through the first hour of the Conway Show, right here on KFI. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk more about the president's immigration plan, the one that was announced uh, today, a merit-based immigration plan, or at least concentrates more on merit-based admissions than than uh, family admissions. Also, the New York Times says the uh, newly declassified pictures of Iranian missiles being loaded onto small boats was the intelligence that caused the White House to increase the warnings about a threat from Iran. Those uh, pictures also had, uh, I guess, Republican Guard members loading those missiles onto boats. So, But the president has been saying he does not want to be forced into a military confrontation, said to his new defense secretary. That's uh, He doesn't want to get involved with that. Uh, Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock is a genius. <laughs> and funny. And funny. Chris Rock, is ri- he's writing the ninth Saw movie. Has it been that many? There have been eight of them. So you and I have missed eight. All eight of them. <laughs> missed. Got you. Maybe. Not the best word. Uh, they said that this is, Saw is one of the highest grossing horror franchises of all time. It's one of the most successful film, film series put out by Lionsgate. And the way that they describe it, Lionsgate Motion Picture Group, was this upcoming film will still be as mind-bending and intense as all the previous Saw films, but that Chris Rock wants to put his own spin on the Saw franchise in the way that Eddie Murphy put a completely fresh perspective on buddy cop films with 48 Hours. I kind of get what they're saying. Random comparison. Very yeah. random, because like 48 Hours was funny. Yeah, exactly. This is not going to be funny, though. I can't, I hope not. No, it's not. This is clearly going to be in, in the horror genre where it belongs. Uh, he said he's been a fan of the Saw franchise since the first film in 04. So he said he's excited by the opportunity to take this to a really intense and twisted new place, as if it weren't twisted already. If you don't follow Saw like I haven't, right. and like Gary hasn't, the franchise revolves around this character named John Kramer a.k.a. Jigsaw Killer or Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up with, like, he creates weird tests or games, he calls them, I think, and it's, what would you do? Would you chop off your arm to save that guy's life or the the key to unlock the 
torture device is in her belly and you have to cut her open to get the like what, what this is one of those things that worries me <laughs> who comes up with that and how do you make it more twisted than what it already was yeah and is chris losing his mind no or does he just have really deep dark thoughts that he wants to put into a saw movie because he doesn't really want to do them in real life well he convinced the directors that this is going to be the movie if you can make a movie for 1.2 million and bring in a hundred million. That sounds great. Yes, that is that's great. But Chris Rock has won four Emmys and three Grammys as a writer and a, a stand-up comedian, and has projects like uh, Dolomite is my name coming up on Netflix. The fourth season of Fargo on FX. Apparently, he's involved with that. And had no idea. He was in uh, Lethal Weapon Four, of course, the Madagascar movies, and Top Five, in which he starred and directed from his own script. So he wrote, directed, and starred in Top Five. So, I, good for Chris listen, Rock. He can do whatever he wants. Um, I, it just seems that's a weird connection. It's just a random weird connection for him to get involved in that franchise. Well, it will probably be successful. Well, yeah, because it's it's Chris a crazy Rock. movie. And you and I were talking how we don't like. Uh, well, I don't like scary movies at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the last scary movie I saw was Child's Play, the original. I know it's back. <laughs> I haven't seen anything since like 80 whatever that year was when Chucky came out. I've missed like everything since then. That's funny. The last I don't, I don't mind like thriller movies. I don't mind those. I just don't the the horror genre of gore for the sake of gore. I don't never, get it. I don't yeah, I don't I don't like it. It's not entertaining. It's not and the people who do think it's entertaining they worry me. They worry you. Or, or they have those nightmares that don't go away. I'll pass on this one, too. Let me know how it turns out. <laughs> okay. When we come back, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. Uh, we'll talk about the president's new immigration bill and who's pushing back on this whole thing. Gary and Shannon will continue. Thursdays, May 16th. Thursdays, actually, in the 1 o'clock hour, we talk tech. Mark Saltzman's going to join us to talk about some cool technology news. Also, uh, some odd science stories that we like to stack up and bring to you on a Thursday, including uh, DNA found in chewing gum from 10,000 years ago. That's some old gum. And where was the gum? Stuck in a tree, probably. <laughs> Stuck underneath a desk. <laughs> Under a desk. <laughs> Under a desk. <laughs> um, Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get into Strange Science. Time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp Watch. Well, the president uh, held a, a news conference a little bit earlier today to talk about the rollout of the new immigration plan, uh, a more merit-based immigration plan. And uh, it's already getting some pushback, already getting some people who have criticized it. And we're going to go straight to Washington here in just a moment, talk a little bit more about what's... Uh... Yes, you ready to go? Excellent. It is Mona. Even though it says Lana, that's crazy. I don't know how that happened. Mona Kosar Abdi is joining us from Capitol Hill. It says that your name is Lana Zach, and I know it's not. 
I answer to either. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so this was um, – tell us more about this plan that the president unveiled today. My bad. I, immigration uh, plan so, in I'm sorry, the – Start over one more time. I screwed up the button. My fault. Oh, okay. So, okay. Oh, no worries. So moments ago, we uh, we heard from the president. He outlined his new immigration plan in the Rose Garden. Um, and he said that his plan includes a sweeping modernization of the dysfunctional uh, legal immigration process, something that uh, hasn't been done, he said, in about 70 years. Uh, and he said that it's his plan is uh, two-pronged. It's one calls for stopping illegal immigration and protecting our borders um, through things like border technology advancement and building some more wall. And the other part of it is what he referred to as the Build America visa, which would replace existing green card categories and establish uh, a sort of point system that is merit-based. Basically, that means it gives preference to uh, younger workers, he said, who can contribute to the social safety net in this country, um, anyone who has a valuable skill, someone who has an offer of an employment uh, plan, someone who has a plan to create jobs, or someone who has a bachelor's degree or some sort of advanced degree. For Democrats, this issue is dead on arrival, basically because he said that uh, he wants to build more wall. That is something that, from the beginning, we've seen Democrats are very adamant against. Um, and also, there's no mention of DREAMers or DACA um, and what happens to them under this plan. And there's also no pathway to citizenship. Where, well, then where does this go? I mean, is, is it, if it's dead on arrival, I mean, is, is this a be, a, maybe a beginning point to a negotiation with Democrats for a, a fully revised overhaul of immigration? What's interesting is uh, when we asked uh, Senator Lindsey Graham about the White House's plan, and as we saw yesterday, Senator Lindsey Graham introduced his own immigration plan. So we asked, you know, how does this differ from the plan that you just introduced? And he said that, well, the White House plan is not designed to become law. Uh, so the idea that we got there is that this is more of um, something to unify the Republican Party, to show what they stand for uh, instead of showing uh, all the stuff that they're against. And it's more idealistic been realistic, and now uh, Senator Graham says that uh, his immigration plan, which focuses more on the backlog um, of asylum cases and implement or hiring 500 new judges, uh, he also has um, something in there about increasing detention um, and not just releasing uh, families into the country after 20 days who are seeking asylum. Uh, he even said about the border wall that the border wall doesn't address asylum because People who are coming to the uh, U.S.-Mexico border to seek asylum, especially from Central America, they want to get caught. They're not trying to sneak into the country. They're trying to find a Border Patrol agent so that they can um, uh, so that they can uh, declare for asylum at the border. And so he's saying that this is something that um, you know his plan includes and would rather would more likely get bipartisan support. Uh, he says it also doesn't address the 11 million undocumented immigrants that are already here. Um, what's interesting is the president, though, um, something that gained a lot of applause when um, he said it, it was that, uh, you know, he said if Democrats are not, you know, uh, playing ball with them or are not on board with this plan, that he will get it approved after the election when Republicans win back the House, keep the Senate and, of course, keep the White House. What do we know about Lindsey Graham's bill, the one that he introduced yesterday? Uh, yes, yeah, so Lindsey Graham's bill um, focuses more on the um, U.S.-Mexico border. It also talks about um, curbing illegal immigration, um, he said, by um, 
having asylum seekers not come to the U.S.-Mexico border to uh, to try to get asylum, but rather file for asylum while they're still either in their home country or uh, maybe at a U.S. consulate in Mexico. Uh, he also says that um, there is a rise in a lot of uh, unaccompanied minors coming to this country, and he said that because their you know, word has gone around that 98% of the undocumented uh, migrants that come or unaccompanied minors that come into uh, the U.S.-Mexico border to seek asylum, they, um, after 20 days, are released into the country. Um, and it could take years for their case to be processed, where, um, you know, the same goes for families that come with a minor. And so he said that he would want to increase the uh, detention uh, limit from 20 days to 100 days. That way, um, it will deter illegal immigration, and people won't say, you know, after 20 days, we'll just be released into this country. It could be a long, drawn-out process. He also says he wants to deal with the backlog by hiring 500 new judges to deal with all the cases that are currently um, just, you know, sitting in the uh, immigration courts. Yeah. All right. Mona, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Mona Kosar Abdi there, the latest in what's going on with the president's new immigration plan that he unveiled today. There was um, some some issue with this, I guess. The president met with some of the Republican senators last week and talked about this and then sent a couple of uh, a couple of his aides to Capitol Hill on Tuesday one of which was Jared Kushner who crafted this plan yeah this was his uh, i guess this was his baby but there was a report after that republican luncheon that claimed that the president's plan did not have enough details in it that the, the republicans didn't think there was enough meat to it and that Jared Kushner had a hard time explaining everything even though this was supposedly his plan so Well, they had it together for the news conference today. I, I think Mona touched on something important, too, because last year so much time was spent by lawmakers trying to come up with a plan for DACA. There needs to be something in this new plan that addresses DACA. Yeah. And it doesn't, which was the issue that even within its own party that some lawmakers raised, in particular Senator Susan Collins of Maine, she wants something that spells out what happens to the, those who are, are under the DACA system, what happens with them. Yeah, and it's it's funny the difference between what, what the White House says and Lindsey Graham says. Lindsey Graham says that uh, I think Mona referred to this as well that what the White House proposed isn't designed to become law. The White House says this is absolutely designed to become law. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> as always, when we come back, uh, Bill De Blasio gets into the race for president. We'll talk about how he uh, screwed things up earlier, but uh, also what he's got uh, on his calendar for the next couple of days. Gary and Shannon will continue. Uh, Layla Muhammad in for Shannon today. Feels good to be running from the devil. Another breath and I'm up another level. It feels good to be up above the clouds. It feels good for the first time in a long time now. Gary and Shannon. Layla Muhammad is in today for Shannon. Do you find yourself lonely at all? Like, are, you, are you ever lonely? Oh, are you really asking me this? Yes. Am I touching something? I sh- You are. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been single for six years. Oh. So. Well, I have an, I have an answer then for I'm you. I'm lonely every day. <laughs> Goals. Uh, I'm lonely right now. Nick, can I get a box of Kleenex in here, please? Um... <laughs> You know, I, I have a solution for you then. At, at the top of the hour, I'll tell you I'll tell you about Chuck McCarthy. 
he may be the answer to to times that you feel a little. Oh, yeah. I'm all ears. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that coming <laughs> up at 1 o'clock. We're in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Hey, guess what happened today? I'm Bill de Blasio, and I'm running for president because it's time we put working people first. Uh, the music was so dramatic in that. Uh, Bill de Blasio, <laughs> the mayor of New York City, has decided that he is going to run for the Democratic nomination for president. Okay. Number 23. We're at number 23. First of all. I don't know a lot of people in New York City, but the ones I do know hate Bill de Blasio. Hate him. He has been, according to them, one of the most ineffective mayors they've had in decades. And that's saying a lot because they had David Dinkins. Now, the the story about Bill de Blasio's rollout for his presidential campaign is pretty funny because he didn't even surprise anybody. There was a kid in St. Louis who, who found out about it. Totally scooped all the media. This kid needs a job immediately. 17-year-old Gabe Fleischer, a high school student, he decided to put that in his newsletter that, um, you know, Bill de Blasio was running. He apparently watches this website that automatically populates each time a candidate or state announces um, a new event. And he saw that de Blasio was going to be speaking in Iowa. The Woodbury County Democratic Party posted on that site that, Bill de Blasio is going to be in Sioux City on his first stop on his presidential announcement tour. So this kid sees it, and he scoops everybody. He tweeted it, and then the Blasio, de Blasio campaign had to confirm, in fact, yes, he was running. Uh, what I love is that the kid <laughs> the kid was in his AP English exam, I guess, and then saw this thing, and then had was interviewed this morning on NBC before he went back to school. That's awesome for him. This newsletter, he doesn't get paid to do it. He started off with like one subscriber in 2011. That was mom. Now he says he has about 50,000 who wake up to his newsletter throughout the week. And he got the chance to go to um, cover the presidential uh, campaigns from 2012 election. And in 2016, he got to go to Iowa to do some of the caucus stuff. So he has already had some experience. He said, now I just hope I get to interview all the candidates. I think he's going to get a job. Yeah, that's somebody uh, hired this kid. That's a good initiative to see, um, to see in a seventeen-year-old. Now, first, that was the first thing, right? That that Bill De Blasio was not surprising anybody when he said that he was going to run for president, and then the president <laughs> tweeted that he was a joke. That uh, Bill De Blasio is a complete joke. De Blasio then went on Good Morning America and was heckled by the people outside so loud that you could hear him in the studio, which is a lot of those studios have super thick walls and the windows are thick so that you can't hear the traffic in New York. And they're screaming and whistling at him so the, to the point where you can hear them in the studio. That's embarrassing. According to the latest Quinnipiac poll of New Yorkers, three quarters of New Yorkers do not think he should run. Yeah. That's like mostly everybody. Yeah, which, I mean, some of those people are probably supporters of his who just say, we want you to stay as the mayor. And everybody else is like, you're horrible as mayor. We don't want you to run for president either. There were friends of his, by the way. He did opt to enter the race, even though friends of his told him not to. One advisor told Politico a couple of months ago that the idea of Bill de Blasio running for president was effing insane. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) I love that. Um, so he's still, I guess, dealing with issues of trying to name a public housing authority leader, 
for the chairperson for that public housing authority in New York, and he hasn't done that, and he's been called out for that. Uh, a fundraiser, former fundraiser of his, was sentenced to four years in jail for a bribery scheme involving the police department. I love this quote, chief executive of a public affairs firm, Risa Heller. It's no surprise that the mayor's learning on day one that running for president can't get wedged between his mid-morning workout and eating his late breakfast. He'll work out the kinks, but America will groan along with New Yorkers until he does. Ooh, it's not a, it's not not a ringing endorsement. No, it's not. Um, Joe Biden leads the latest poll once again. We don't need to get into the numbers, but it's about 39%. I think um, Bernie Sanders was at 19% or 13% in Philadelphia. Uh, Pennsylvania, specifically uh, the one state that they did the poll in. And then this Ted Cruz story. This is pretty fun. Ted Cruz thinks it's important to fund Space Force because since the... Wait, longer pause. Because since the ancient Greeks first put to sea, nations have recognized the necessity of naval forces and maintaining a superior capability to protect waterborne travel and commerce from bad actors. Pirates threaten the open seas, and the same is possible in space. Oh. Ted Cruz is saying we need to fund Space Force because of the potential of space pirates. MSNBC's Chuck Todd had a field day with this. Ted Cruz is really upset. He mocked them. They had a whole, you know, montage of... People said pirates, pirates, you know, and they're laughing at him. And he tweets out in response. He goes, when he's talking about pirates, he's not talking necessarily about a frigate with a skull and crossbones. He's saying nations like China, who already developed and tested weapons to destroy satellites. That's what he says he's referencing when he says pirates. Could have just said that. Yeah, why didn't he just say that they're bad people doing bad things? Space pirates? Space pirates is his new thing. (laughs) All right, uh, we will solve we will solve loneliness issues when we come back. <laughs> you need a hug now? Yes. Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Layla Muhammad sitting in for Shannon today, right here on the Gary and Shannon Show. Sitting in for Shannon today, Layla Muhammad. Hey, the, hey. The uh, weather was uh, strange this morning in that it wasn't raining very hard, but people were acting like it was raining very hard. It took an hour plus to get into work today. It should never, should never take that long. Yeah. Uh, but there was a foot of snow in Mammoth today. Uh, or I should say this morning when they woke up, there was a foot of snow on the mountain. National Weather Service says these winter storm warnings are going to be in effect until probably early tomorrow morning for the Southern Sierra. So if you're traveling anywhere, make sure that uh, you are ready for some bad weather. Attorney General William Barr, do you remember the president had said he would leave it up to William Barr whether or not Bob Mueller testifies before Congress? Now William Barr says, I don't care. He can do what he wants to. So Bob Mueller may eventually testify before Congress. I think uh, Jerry Nadler, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, had said that they're working out the details as to when that will happen, but not this week. Well, and the president also said, though, I know he said he would leave it up to William Barr, but he also said he doesn't think Mueller should testify. Yeah. Well, he's going to. All right. So 
uh, I stumbled onto apparently a, a, a touchy subject <laughs> a moment ago when I asked if you were lonely. I'm not sitting in the corner crying. Well, not now you're not. No. Um, this is a show to do right but now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Because yeah, that would be bad radio. Uh, the standard measure of human loneliness was developed about 40 years ago. It scores people based on how they answer a series of questions that get at the extent to which they feel connected to or disconnected from users. Um, Cigna used a version of the UCLA loneliness scale last year. and They surveyed 20,000 American adults, nearly half. So they sometimes or always felt alone or left out. And right now they're saying the youngest, Generation Z, the loneliest, followed closely by millennials. And only about 53% of those questions said that they had meaningful, in-person, social interactions on a day-to-day basis. I believe that. Because we're in the age of, you know, using your your cell phones for everything and social media. I get why Generation Z... Appears to be the loneliest. Now, uh, I, I, to that point, I, I'm excited when my daughter is on the phone because there's so little of that communication going back and forth. I mean, just vocal communication is is hard to come by these days because you don't call people, you text them, you don't, you know, you don't uh, say something to your neighbor, you text your neighbor. It's it's just a very weird place that we have kind of built ourselves into with this technology uh to sound like my grandfather <laughs> right but there's a guy named chuck mccarthy is that isn't yeah chuck mccarthy who a few years ago started a business to walk people yeah walking people like do- like you walk a dog he'll come by and walk with you now he and his uh, girlfriend Lived in a uh, <clears throat> low-rent part of Los Feliz, he says. And they didn't spend a lot of time together, or they didn't spend a whole lot of time out and about because she was working from home. And they made it a rule that if they were going to go eat, they're going to go out to eat, they had to walk to get it. And he said while he was walking around, he kind of had this epiphany. And he said, why are we just, why are we just walking dogs? He said he saw a sign for personal training and dog walking and said, why can't we combine the two of them? And the more he thought about it, he wanted to launch a business to walk people. And he said it made absolute perfect sense. The This is such an L.A. thing. It definitely is an L.A. thing. But it does make sense because for some people, that may be their only face-to-face, one-on-one conversation or interaction for that day. Is walking with this guy. Well, and then, and then this being the gig economy that we find ourselves in, other people say, I can I can be a walker. Mm-hmm. I should do that. I should be the Uber of walkers. And we're calling this guy to try to get him to employ them. He has a business. He gets a cut of each of these walkers' fees. He has investors. He has a glass office in a co-working space here in Burbank. Uh... Let's walk over there. I was just going to say. We Let's should. just walk. <laughs> I, You have 5,000 friends on Facebook, for example. Right. And then you can say, uh, I had a terrible day and no one responds. The 5,000 friends is your giant blanket, but it's not keeping you warm. That's I true. Like that. So, but you're not really paying for the walk. You're paying for just the conversation, like you said. I mean, the face-to-face contact of being able to say that you spent time with another human being. 
Right. And for a lot of people, let's say if you move out to L.A. and you're single, this is a city where I think you can make friendships and relationships fairly quickly if you're hanging out in the right spots. If you're in an area that has a lot of restaurants or bars, you can walk nearby by your house. You can make a lot of interactions. Looking on the um, L.A. Times City Beat Twitter page where this article originated from the L.A. Times, people were saying even just taking public transportation. This is not a city that's big on public transportation, though. It's not like New York. You hop on the subway. You can spend all day on there meeting hundreds of people. That sounds horrible. It does. But I'm saying if you want to go meet people, right, you can hop on public transportation. Yes. Or live in, in, in an area where you can walk to stores and restaurants. I think you guys have enough out here with going hiking. You can go on one of these trails. You can walk the Hover City stairs or wherever, and you can meet a lot of people just exercising. Sure. I mean, that's, I mean and I think that's probably what this guy was uh, sort of tapping into to get this uh, plan up and running. But do you want his... Uh... No, I no, I don't need his number. And well, I, I'm just asking. I, I don't need him to walk me. I have friends out here, and I have family, so I do get some interaction. Okay, I'm just not. Well, I'm married. worried about you now. Don't worry. If you're worried, then then we could talk about my my checklist. Maybe you could find someone for me. Okay, we'll chat offline. <laughs> a reminder that to a uh, week from tomorrow is our next news and brews. We're going to be live at Bravery Brewing. Up on 8th Street West in Lancaster. Help kick off Memorial Day weekend. Uh, a couple of big things that they are doing that that uh, Bravery Brewing is doing. First of all, on Friday, next Friday, the 24th, they're going to release the Gunny. their uh, American Strong Ale in 16-ounce cans for the first time. Also, the Chop Shop Barbershop is going to be providing free haircuts for veterans all day. The Patriot Guard Riders Motorcycle Club will be out there. And a local auto shop and the Automobile Club are giving away a car to a veteran in need on Friday, May 24th, and we'll be there for all of that. Plus the release of their very specific and specially brewed beer called KFIPA, a red IPA that we uh, we had our hand in creating. So it's uh, cooking right now, and they say it's doing very well. So we'll do that next Friday. For all the information, you can go to our website, go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon. We'll come back with a chance to win 1000 bucks, and Mark Saltzman's going to join us and talk about... Uh, Uber's quiet mode. Next. Gary and Shannon. Layla Muhammad sitting in for Shannon today. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get into some uh, good science stories, including the... uh, Oldest Scandinavian human DNA found in chewing gum. And it's not chewing gum like you and I chew. It's probably not very minty. No. Uh, I'll tell you what it's made from. <laughs> but uh, at this time on Thursdays, we like to talk technology. Oh, I guess I got to tell you the whole thing about it. If you win $1,000, they'll call you, and then you got to answer the phone, and then we give away another $1,000 next hour, all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show. Right here on KFI. Now we'll get into tech now. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk. Brought to you by Skynet. And uh, talk tech with us, our friend Mark Saltzman. Mark with a C underscore Saltzman is where you can find him on Twitter and find a bunch of his uh, writings in USA Today and AARP and Costco Connection and all these different places. Mark, how are you today? I'm great, Gary. Thanks. And hey, Layla, how's it going, guys? Hey, Mark. 
Hey, uh, hey. Let, let's talk about this mm-hmm. quiet mode. Layla and I were just talking about this off the air, this quiet mode for Uber. Right. <laughs> Starting on Tuesday, when you order an Uber, you can choose to be have a driver that's quiet. So that's uh, only for the premium Uber rides. Uh, so, you know, Uber Black or the Uber Black SUV. So the idea is this. Like, if you have an Uber driver that's a, a chatty Kathy, a talk-a-lot Tim, I don't know, a Gabby Gary, I can go on here. Uh, but, and you're not much of a chatter. You can say, I do not like to talk in advance. And that way, you're just giving them a heads up through the app that you're not one to, 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 to chit-chat during the ride. On the flip side, if you love to chat, you can also select that. And if you don't select anything, then it defaults as what's called just no preference. So this is one of the new features that is only if you pay for it. So it's that premium Uber ride only. So not the shared ones and not the lowest tiered ones. And then there's some other things you can choose as well. You can select that you need some help with luggage, which is handy for the driver to know in advance. You can also select your optimal... temperature control i mean things are getting a little little granular i'd argue but uh, yeah stuff like that so that's all coming on tuesday with a new uh uber uh uber i was gonna say uber update in the app (laughs) quiet mode this is clearly targeting um business travelers i think this is what it sounds like right yeah this is only for like the premium service you don't want to mm-hmm. talk when you get in the car. This should be open to everyone. We all have been in Uber rides where the driver <laughs> would not stop talking. And then you don't want to come right. across as rude by saying, hey, right. dude, give me five minutes. I'm on a call or I'm sending an email. Here's my yeah. question. You know what I, if you choose, yeah. Mark, if you choose the quiet mode, will you get a bad rating from your Uber driver for being not <laughs> talkative and rude? rude? Probably less of a chance of getting a, a negative review than, you know, putting in your AirPods when you, <laughs> right, right in the middle of the guy's life story, you know? So my wife left me and you're like, hold on a second here. And you put in your earbuds. That's, I think, going to maybe get you a little bit of a lower score. But yeah, that's my trick, by the way. I always say this. I always say, and, and sometimes I do. I actually have had, ama- I'm sure like many of your listeners have had amazing conversations with Uber and Lyft drivers. I, I can certainly say that. But when I'm not in the mood, I do put in my earbuds, but I say first, hey, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude. I, I'm listening to an interview that I just did, and I have to make some notes. And that's like how I get out of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, no no problem, sir. And they turn down the music and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, that's how think, you say it, right? What what kind of uh, ego does this guy have? He's got <laughs> to listen know, to his right? own interview. Sure, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Um, we uh, we have uh, long been haunted by robocalls. And I. Mm-hmm. it looks now like there are movements uh, afoot to try to allow phone companies to stop robocalls? Let's hope, because the problem is really getting out of hand. So as you know, and as you hinted at, there are ways that you can sign up for a do not call list, but most of the people that are calling you are scammers, and they're not abiding by that list, that do not call list. So what there is uh, happening on June the 6th is that there's a meeting at the FCC, at the Federal Communications Commission, and they are going to vote on having, uh, by default, no one allowed to call you that's not on your whitelist. So not, if, if, if it's not a list that you approve with your telecom saying, hey, look, this is these are my friends, these are my colleagues, th- these are my family members that can get through, nobody else can get through by default. I've been asking my phone company, f- phone company for years about this. Let me tell you who I want through. And they're like, nope, doesn't work like that. So that is what they're voting on. So by default... 
these scammers can't get through. In the meantime, though, I happen to be a shameless plug here. I am writing an article for AARP about robocalls, and I did speak to Ian Barlow. He is the uh, Federal Trade Commission's um, Do Not Call Program Coordinator, so a different organization altogether, not the FCC, but the FTC. And he says this, number one, Hang up on any unwanted call because I know when you want to be a jerk and you want to, you know, um, uh, you know, upset the, the caller, you drag them on and you mislead them into thinking you're going to buy something and then you laugh at them and hang up, right? But by doing that, when the supervisor looks at the call logs and they see a seven minute call, they think it's almost a sale. So they're going to call you again, even though, ironically, you were trying to just piss the guy off or piss the girl off who was calling <laughs> you from overseas. So don't keep them on the line. Because that's going to have an opposite effect. You're going to graduate to another list. Oh, so that's that's a little tip for you. Uh, so don't engage. Number one, hang up right away. Number two, if if you don't recognize the the call, the the phone number, or if it says unknown call, obviously don't answer it. And if it's important, they're going to call you back. And if it's a scammer, and they do finally you do answer, you can try to block the number by just you know just by saying I don't want to get another number from this you know another call from this like I don't know five six one area code. The third thing you can do is call blocking services. So this is uh, an app or a service with your telco that will bump up the the uh, the protection that you want from from callers that you're not familiar with. And then finally, yes, add your name to that do not call dot gov list um, because it does two things. Number one is that it should stop those legitimate callers that uh, do abide by that. But secondly, it, it is sending those complaints to the FTC. So it's good good idea. Well, that's going to be wonderful. I, I'm amazed that I don't get more spam calls on my cell phone. I mean, I still mm-hmm. I'm old fashioned enough to have still have a house phone. Me too. Because that's the only thing that my mom will call me on. <laughs> me too. <laughs> that's the only reason to have it. But but we get right. we'll probably yeah. get three or four a day. It seems on the home phone. Yeah, but not yeah. the cell phone. I, but not the cell phone. That's funny. Yeah, because I get them on the cell phone all the time. Now, well, you're rich you know? and famous. I mean, people. Oh, of course I am. People <laughs> coming yeah. after you. That's the thing. All right, Mark, we appreciate your word. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks, guys. You Have a good Mark one. Saltzman Bye, Mark. There. And you can follow him on Twitter again, Mark with a C, Mark underscore Saltzman, and check out all of his stuff, that, uh, the stuff that he writes, including his little tech tips of the day. All right, when we come back, some odd science stories, including the uh, chewing gum, of course, and then how much alcohol can you drink safely? I mean, not how much can you drink. How much is it? Never mind. We'll get into it. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Layla's in for Shannon today. Thursday, it's May 16th. Layla Muhammad's in for uh, Shannon today. Some of the stories that we've been following include the uh, New York Times saying that declassified photographs of Iranian missiles being loaded onto small boats uh, turn out to be the intelligence that caused some fear. It caused the White House to increase the warnings about a threat from Iran. Yesterday we were saying some of our allies weren't so convinced. But then Sky News reported today that the U.K. raised the threat level for British personnel in Iraq because of a heightened risk from Iran. Uh, Missouri. Missouri jumped on the abortion bandwagon. The Republican-led Senate passed a wide-ranging bill that would ban abortions at eight weeks of pregnancy. That, of course, comes just a few hours after Alabama's Governor Kay Ivey 
signed a bill into law, which was one of the most restrictive uh, abortion bans that we've seen in a, anywhere in the United States. So all of that is definitely going to end up in the uh, in the Supreme Court eventually, or it's going to get there. We'll see if the uh, if the Supreme Court ever hears it. And then just saw this police investigating a threat made against Palos Verdes High School. The campus had to be put on uh, lockdown temporarily. Uh, school was put on lockdown about eleven fifteen this morning as a precautionary measure because of a phone threat, and then the lockdown was lifted about a half an hour ago. So they decided to end the school day today early. And um, gates were open for opened early for student pickup at about quarter to one. All right, we got some sciencey stories here that are kind of fun, and they're they're I wouldn't say they're odd or weird, but maybe strange. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. Well, this is fun. Researchers. From the University of Oslo and Stockholm University have found chewing gum. Dating back around 10,000 years ago. Now, I would imagine it didn't taste good, but they said it was made from birch bar tar. Bir- from birch tar. Yeah, tar made uh, from the, the, the bark of birch trees, mm. which they also use to hold tools and stuff together, like a glue. So... Like chewing glue. <laughs> you didn't make it's it sound any summary. more appealing. Well, that's what they were doing. <laughs> Better than sniffing it. They said that they um, <laughs> not only did they still find teeth marks in the stuff, they're expecting that they have DNA. Or I should say they did find DNA from this rudimentary chewing gum. Uh, here's a question. They said that there is DNA from three different people who chewed this gum. When's the last time you shared gum with somebody? See, I thought it was different piles of gum all lumped together. This and, is from one gum? And that's where mine came from, right yeah. there. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Maybe maybe you are reading it better than I am because so, it says the imprints of three chewers' teeth can still be seen in some of the gum pieces. Okay. okay. But right. this is a question I had. It was, so it's, it's the imprints from two women and a, and a man, right? Yeah. But it was all found. To, so is it like lumped together in a pile? Was that a thing? Like they, they would just throw chew their it gum in, together. Yeah. And then later get it together and, and glue, you know, glue their tools oh, together. Maybe. I don't, this was something they were doing. All under the same desk is what it was. Yeah. Because oh. you know how hard that, like, <laughs> if you look under there right now, under that, you're probably going to see five or six pieces of gum. Zero. Oh, what? No. So, uh, somebody, Zero. Somebody cleaned up because they knew <laughs> company was coming. That's probably what happened. Um, the site that they found this in, by the way, was excavated 25 years ago, something like that, when it wasn't possible to sequence human DNA at all, let alone that it, you would be able to find it outside of human remains. So they were studying gum that had been unearthed 25 years ago using the new technology, which is pretty pretty amazing. And they're saying that they are thankful that the people who did the excavation that long ago thought ahead far enough to say hey there may be stuff that we can learn from old chewing gum we need to be careful with it and they were able to preserve the dna uh the spacex launch had to be scrubbed last night there were some high upper level winds that forced them to uh to delay the launch of a falcon 9 rocket that's not the uh incredible part about this the incredible part about this is they are deploying 60 internet relay satellites from that one rocket 
They say that they're trying to do this uh, high-speed Internet connectivity around the world, the eventual constellation of thousands of them. These satellites are packed into the uh, 17-foot-wide nose fairing and is scheduled for liftoff that was was scheduled last night, but they aren't going to be able to do it. Now, this first batch of satellites in a project that the company officials are counting on to generate a bunch of revenue down the road. Elon Musk said, this is one of the hardest engineering projects I've ever done, and it's been executed uh, it's been executed really well. They said that another six launches of 60 satellites each would be needed to provide this useful network, and then eventually they would have as much as 12,000 satellites in a project that would cost somewhere around $10 billion. And they said you don't need 10,000 to be effective. We're just we're just planning on it if we need it. That's, I mean... That, yeah. And they talk about those things being deployed like a deck of cards. Like it would shoot off, you know, like you're throwing your cards across the room or something. So this is happening. The, the next attempt is happening tonight. From down in Florida, right? Yes, Cape Canaveral. Yeah, yeah 1030 Eastern Time. And they're going to broadcast this live video of, of the scene in space. <laughs> So we'll That's pretty amazing. Hopefully they can make it work this time. We have a couple other stories that we'll come back to, including one, uh, the human body is a weird thing. Uh, we do weird things, man. The the whole night eating, sleep eating, you heard about that? Do you do this? No, I don't think so. Oh. But I was if I was asleep, how would I know? But I guess Taylor Swift is a sleep eater? Who knew? So I, we'll talk about that <laughs> and also how much alcohol can you drink safely? Gary and Shannon will continue. Layla sitting in for Shannon today. John and Ken show coming up in a few minutes. Layla Mohammed sitting in for uh, Shannon today. We're in the middle of some of our uh, strange science stories. Um, on the Ellen DeGeneres show yesterday, Taylor Swift referred to sleep eating. That's a thing. That's a real thing. And I thought it was just, you know, you're sleepwalking to the fridge. And there's two kinds of sleep eating. One is called like night eating syndrome. The other one's officially called sleep eating disorder yeah night eating syndrome is just you get up or, or you eat it at an odd time you right know, which everybody does that i have a brother-in-law he'll eat at midnight just because that's what he has the night eating syndrome i guess uh but the the sleep eating disorder it's called nocturnal sleep related eating disorder that's the official thing it's a combination of parasomnia and an eating disorder where you are unconscious you are asleep and you go eat something grab something out of the fridge or the pantry or something like that and then go back to bed and then when you wake up you have no recollection that no. you did this that's no. the scary part you just have empty chip bag of chips at your feet or something like that on the bed a whole sandwich <laughs> a whole sandwich <laughs> um they it says that they don't typically make food they grab and eat whatever they get their hands on raw meat sticks of butter oh mayonnaise and then they don't remember any of it could you imagine listen everybody wakes up with a little you know you got a little gamey in the mouth there right everybody's got a little morning breath could you imagine scooping down a spoonful of mayonnaise and then letting that <laughs> sit in your nasty mouth all night and then waking up the next morning that, oh jeez. <laughs> 
Thanks for that noise. But I guess Taylor Swift has this thing. She's um, this actual sleep-related disorder. And when Ellen asked her, what do you do to go back to sleep? She's like, no, no, you understand. I'm asleep the entire time. I don't have to go back to sleep. I'm always asleep. It's just that my body gets up and goes and gets something from the fridge. Well, experts say they're not really sure what causes sleep eating, but it tends to happen in the first half of the night. And it can be tied, perhaps, to stress. It also is dangerous because you might go and grab a drink. What if you're downing, you know, tons of alcohol and don't realize you just did that? Or this doctor says you could you could drink bleach. Oh, I like didn't think about even, you're that. You're not even conscious of what it is that you're drinking. Because your mind's not saying, hey, Taylor, go to the fridge. It could say, hey, Taylor, go to the bathroom cabinet. And drink bleach. Or whatever's in your bathroom cabinet. Uh, interesting look from the uh, British medical journal Lancet about what is a safe amount of alcohol. And it's a it's a weird look, but the, the authors of a recent study tried to figure out what is the right amount or if there is the right amount of alcohol to have in your life. Because they, they said in previous studies, they, they were showing that a lot of people um, who never drink actually had higher rates of things like heart disease, liver cirrhosis, which is strange, um, than those who were moderate drinkers. Now, heavy drinking is clear. I mean, that's, that's going right. to eventually put you down. But a beer a day, a glass of wine a day. A little little snipter of uh, bourbon a day is that is that too much? So what they did was, the the authors of this study went through and searched for every epidemiological study of alcohol ever done that w- that met specific criteria, and then pulled the original data from those, and they marked those that already excluded the former drinkers. They thought that would make the comparison group more accurate to those that didn't that didn't drink. They applied a mathematical model that would control for the difference. Between differences between their group and that of the preferred study. So what they did, they got all of these things. They got uh, 195 geographical locations, 23 health problems that are previously associated with alcohol. And they show that compared with having zero drinks a day, either one or zero, one drink a day would increase the risk of developing some of those health problems. Infections like tuberculosis, diabetes, uh, different kinds of cancer, accidents, self-harm. And the more you drink, obviously, the more risk that you run for those. But on the whole, the they showed that a serving of alcohol every day slightly lowers the risks of certain <laughs> types of problems. Don't you love these studies? It would say, it's, this is bad, right. but if you, if you drink this, it's actually good for you. So then it... And they say, especially like heart disease, for example, it would lower the risk of certain types of heart disease, especially in a developed country where chances are you're going to live long enough to get heart disease. Whereas in an undeveloped or underdeveloped country, you're going to die long before the heart disease gets you. Uh, So theoretically, if you are a daily drinker who survives the increased risk of accident or cancer that would come from, you know, the the one drink a day, by the time you're 80, when heart disease becomes a major cause of death, your moderate drinking could prolong it your helped, life. It helped you out. Yeah. But everybody else just, they're saying no drinks yeah. is the best way to go, right? I think that's, Zero. Now, it's all confusing. Of course, they have, they've been doing studies like this to try to change behavior. So the alcohol consumption is probably riskier and less potentially beneficial than we thought before. 
But if you are in the right place at the right time, a drink a day is probably going to help you out a little bit, which is a – I guess that's great. I think that's the conclusion. But doesn't it just prove that, uh, you know, everything in moderation? I think it goes back to that. You know, it teaches your body learns how to deal with a little bit of poison. <laughs> Not a lot. Just one bit of poison a day. So, anyway, that's uh, – that's our cool science stories. All right. Do, don't forget, you can donate now and help the American Red Cross. Join KFI on October 16th. That's looking forward quite a bit. For a night of magic at a legendary mansion in the hills of Hollywood, your charitable donation will grant you entrance and dinner with all of the hosts here on KFI, including a live broadcast of the Tim Conway Jr. Show, some magical performances and more. Single tickets available for $350. Group ticket discounts are also available. Tickets are limited, though. They are limited, so you're going to want to buy now to help fund the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California and get that uh, get that cool night of magic with everybody from here at KFI. For all the details, log on to KFIAM640.com and use the keyword Red Cross. John and Ken Cho is coming up next. Layla, we'll see you tomorrow. Yes, okay. thanks for having me today. Of course, absolutely. Fridays are fun. Friday's going to be a fun day. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.